Good morning. Welcome to According to the Scriptures. We are glad that you are listening today, that you are watching, and and we we hope that the lesson will be helpful to you. My name is Kyle Webb, and I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. And thank you again for joining us. Our lesson today continues our series on why I'm a member of the Church of Christ. And today's lesson is the fifth lesson in our series. Today's lesson, Christ is the founder of only one church, his church. And so as we look at this lesson today, we are going to be studying some of the the evidence that points to there being only one church mentioned in Scripture and the importance of of that one church and being a part of that one church. I, I don't believe that you would be tuning into this lesson today if you uh, did not at least wonder if there can be one church or wonder what church should I be a part of. And as we've been looking at in weeks past, we, we can see there are many, many, many choices that we can, can choose from as far as churches are concerned. But let's make sure that the church that we are a part of, the church that we are members of, is the one church that is taught about in Scripture. We ultimately want to do everything that we do in accordance with God's word. Um, I, I had some thoughts yesterday. I, I do a little video uh, just about every day of the week called uh, Noontime Nuggets. And I do it Monday through Friday with the exception of Tuesday and doing this radio program. And yesterday's lesson was on David being a man after God's own heart and why he was a man after God's own heart. I believe that he was a man after God's own heart because he sought the Lord's will. And that's ultimately what we need to do. If we are going to be pleasing to God in all that we say and do, then it means that we are seeking his will in all that we say and do. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not what about what man says. It's about what God says. And so as we look at the scriptures today, as we open them together, I hope that that you would open them with us with an open mind and an open heart to what God's word says. Make sure that what you're doing is according to the scriptures. A very fitting title for our program. Before we begin our lesson today, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that you have given to us. And we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to open up your word, to study it together. And we pray, Father, that you would bless our time together today. Bless our understanding of your word and help us to do those things that are pleasing to you, that bring glory and honor to your name. Help us to set a good example those around us, help us to teach and practice the truth, the truth of your word, 
And we thank you for your son, the one that you gave to die on the cross for our sins, to establish your word within us and, and to establish your will. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to do that very thing in our own lives and in the lives of others. Thank you again for Jesus, for his sacrifice for our sins. It is through him we pray. Amen. As we get into our lesson today, we're, we're going to be going through, as we usually do, several scriptures that point out the, the, the main message uh, that we are looking at today. Christ is the founder of only one church, his church. Now, you may or may not agree with that statement as far as me stating it now, but but please listen and please, uh, again, study these scriptures with us. Make sure that what you're doing is according to God's word. We begin by looking at the proof, the proof in the text of the Bible that tells us that there is only one church. And as we go through these verses, I want you to keep in mind the singular aspect of the church, that there is only one that is referred to. There is only one that was taught. Even going back to the day of Pentecost, we see that that it wasn't a number of denominations that were established on that day, but it was only one church. And that's the church that we want to be a part of. If you were to go back in time, I remember it being said by uh, another preacher. Couldn't tell you who at the moment, but uh, I remember it being said that that if you were to go back in time, and if you were to speak to those that became Christians, those who obeyed the gospel on the day of Pentecost, and you were to ask them about what church they became members of, They would be puzzled at best. They would probably look at you funny. Well, what are you talking about? There's only one church, right? Because that's what was in the day of Pentecost. That's what was established. There's only one church. That's why I choose to be a member of the Church of Christ, because I believe it to be that one church. I believe that's what the scriptures teach, and that's the church that I want to be a part of, the one church that was founded by Christ. Christ promised to build only one church. One of our key texts as we've been going throughout this study, something that comes up in almost every lesson, is Matthew 16. And very fittingly so, because there's so much that we can learn from Matthew 16, and especially beginning with verse 13. When Jesus surveyed his disciples, his apostles, and he asked them, he asked them, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say John John the baptizer. Some say... Uh, Elijah or Jeremiah or or one of the prophets. And in all of these cases, all of these suggestions were wrong. So Jesus took it a step further and he asked them, 
Well, who do you say that I am? Forget about what man says, but who do you say that I am? Peter gave the great confession. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. They had seen him. They had seen different things that he was able to do, and they believed that he was the son of God. And Jesus said that upon that faith, his church was to be established. In verse 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. How many churches did Jesus promise to establish? Two, three, ten? A hundred? Thousand? Jesus said, I will build my church. On the foundation of your faith, the faith that you've confessed, and that faith being shared in others, that is what my church is going to be established on. My church. Not your church. Not someone else's church. You know, the, looking at at different names, one of the ones that interests me the most, the People's Church. And it probably is, no disrespect intended, probably is the People's Church, the church that they want it to be. But Jesus didn't say that he was going to build many churches, and he didn't say that he was going to build the church of others, but he was going to build his church. It was again in the future, as we looked at last week. It, it was something that that was to come at the point, the standpoint of where he was speaking from. But it was going to come, and it did come, and it was one church, his church. And that's what we want to be a part of. We want to be a part of the church that Jesus founded. The one that he promised in Matthew 16. Now Paul, as we get into the letters written to churches and written to Christians, we see that, that there are many things that, that he teaches individuals that God wants them to be and what he wants them to be like. But as he is writing to them over and over and over again, we find Paul referring to but one church, not many, but one. Paul teaches that there is only one body. I, I can't think of, of any greater illustration than the illustration of the physical body. Because when we think of in terms of, of the physical body, when we think of us as Christians, as members of one body, I, I can't have one arm that, that goes off this direction, one arm that goes this direction, and then both be a part of one body. In, in other words, one can't do one thing and the other do another and then work together. If I'm going to pick up something, then both arms have to be involved in picking it up, right? So, just a small illustration. Both arms have to be involved. 
And as we look at the church as one body, all the members work together for the common good of the one body. Just like we have one physical body, there is one spiritual body. We are members of one body, and that illustration is expressed over and over again. Ephesians 4 and verses 4 through 6. Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all, and through all, and in you all. A lot of ones there. But basically, in different way than looking at math, one plus one plus one plus one plus one year equals one. When we think of all of these things, all of these are talked about in a singular sense for this idea Of their being, just as is stated in the beginning of verse 4, one body. Now, how can we have different bodies that believe different things, that teach different things, that practice different things? How can they work toward the common good of one body? They don't. Very seldom do they ever work together. And even when they do, do they work together in the right way? One body, the church, only one. Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. And if you do have a pencil and paper, or maybe you do like I do, use an iPad or something else to take notes on, uh, jot these verses down so that you can go back and, and look at them For future reference, Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Just like my hand doesn't have the same function as my foot. But again, they all work together in the same way for the common good of one body. But all the members do not have the same function. Verse 5. So we, being many, many members, this is not referring to denominations, this is referring to Christians. We are many Christians, many congregations of one body, but we're all working together for the common good of that one body. And we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And again, we cannot be a part of one body if we're doing different things. Now, as we look at this illustration, we see that the hand and the foot, you know, that's a, an illustration we understand. They, they uh, do have different functions, but they work toward the same goal. The problem with denominations is they're not working toward the same goal. They have the same idea in mind that they're all working toward heaven. But, You cannot get to heaven by taking many different paths, can you? Jesus himself said in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, 
that there are, are two different paths that can be chosen. One leads to eternal life and one leads to destruction. Which path are you going to choose? That path has the same message involved, the same message that brings us into Christianity. And there are so many people that teach different things about how we are going to become Christians. That's not what is referred to here in Romans 12, because they're not working together for the common good of one body. They're working against each other in reality. And though we may not all have the same function, and that we may not all do the same things, we may not all be song leaders, we may not all be Bible class teachers, we may not all be preachers, we may not all be elders. We have different functions within the body, but we are all working together for the common good of one body, and we are all teaching and practicing the same thing as part of the one body. Very simple, at least to me it seems simple. Hopefully it seems simple to you as well. 1 Corinthians 12, this is a little more lengthy, verses 12 through 27. 1 Corinthians 12, and beginning with verse 12. For as the body, again, how many bodies are we talking about? One body. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in the fact, the body is not one member, but many. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if there, the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? Uh, another key phrase here that stands out to me in verse 18 just as he pleased. This is what brings glory and honor to God. This is what God ultimately wants. And that is what we are ultimately to be. Verse 20, but now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. 
but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. One body made up of many members, many Christians, many congregations, but again, doing the same thing, teaching and practicing the same thing and working toward the common good of the one body, the church. Notice also here who has formed the church. It's not man, but this is the Lord's church. We are part of the church that God has formed. Go back to the middle of verse 24. But God composed the body. God composed the body. Not man. When we look at denominations, what we find is that they are founded by men. They trace their roots back to men. Men who said, we don't like this about this church, so let's do something a little different, basically, is what, what happened. And these men have established these different churches. But if we're going to be a part of the one church of the Bible, we need to be a part of the church that God has composed through his son, through the blood of his son, cleansing us from our sins. We are brought into his church through obedience. And as we we see that, we see that the Lord adds to the church daily. Those who are being saved, Acts 2 and verse 47. But the Lord has composed this body. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of the church that the Lord has established. Not the church that man has established or the many churches that man has established, but the church of the Bible, the church that God has composed as his body. Ephesians 1 and verses 22 and 23, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Notice that in contrast to denominations, most every denomination that you find has some kind of a headquarters, some kind of a head that has been established over these people that are members of that church. We, we spent some time going through different churches, different denominations, and the structure of each. And very few would even dare to try to trace their roots back to one head being Christ. They began with the structure of maybe one person, a president, uh, some kind of founder, 
or something of that nature, or maybe a committee. But very few gave reference to God or Christ as the head of the church. But the churches of Christ, we look to Christ as our head. And you may wonder, well, how is that so? How can can Christ be your head when, when he's not here on earth? He can't tell you what he wants you to do now. Well, we have the word of God. We have the Bible. We have the authority of the scriptures. And we know that if God has said that he wants us to do something, that that is what we should do. And we know that if God has not told us to do something, that it is something that God does not want us to do. In regard to salvation, in regard to our worship, in regard to our faithfulness, our living faithful lives on earth. We do only the things that God has specified in his word, the things that he has authorized through his servants, through the apostles and their teachings. The same doctrine that the church continued in in the book of Acts is the same doctrine that we continue in today. God says it, then we do it. If God doesn't say it, then we don't do it. It's as simple as that. We do not seek to add to. We do not seek to take away from what God has authorized in his word. And in that way, Christ is the head of his church. And that's the church that I want to be a part of. The church that has Christ as its head. The church that is one body made up of many members that work together for the common good of that body. So that we as the church, the bride of Christ, may be with him in eternity. We want to be a part of the church that is established by Christ. The church that is promised by Christ. His church. Not mine, not yours, not someone else's. But Christ's church. And so we wear the name. Church of Christ, the name that is found in Scripture. Many others are found in Scripture, and many are applicable to that church. We we wear this name as an identification of the church or or, or the body that we belong to, the, the head that we belong to, Christ. We've got more to study, and I hope to be back with you again, Lord willing, next week at 11 a.m. for another According to the Scriptures. I hope that you can be with me then. If you would like to contact us, the best way, I think, is is through our congregation's website. All you have to do is go to marshillcoc.org, and you can find all kinds of contact information there, or at least a way to contact us. You can send us a message. If you would like us to study the Bible with you, we would be glad to do that. If you have any questions, we'd be happy to try to answer them. Uh, Just please let us know. And... I hope to be back with you again next week. I hope that you can be with me then as well, Tuesday, 11 a.m. And until we meet again, may God bless you.